When I came to work in Alvin, I went to my first pre-development meeting where the department heads, engineers, plans examiners met with prospects looking to invest in our community. And so I sat through several of those meetings and I wondered, how were we doing compared to other cities? Welcome to Creating Community, a podcast designed to bring area leaders, business owners, and others together to better our community. I'm your co-host, Jake Starkey. And I'm your other co-host, Dorian Strickland. We're the owners of 1820 Coffee House and 1820 Marketing in the heart of Alvin, Texas. Today, we're back recording at the Alvin Manville Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you for allowing us to use the building. If you're a first-time listener, we encourage you to subscribe to hear more. You can use whatever podcast platform you use to get your podcast from, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, CastBox, and more. In this episode of Creating Community, we're speaking with Larry Bueller. Larry is the Director of Economic Development and Government Relations for the City of Alvin. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks. Glad to be here, guys. Excited to have you on. What did you do before you got to the city? Because you've been with the city for 15 years now. That's correct. What got you there? What was kind of the process? Well, it's kind of an interesting story, and I'll, I'll bullet it down in just a couple of minutes maybe. You know, I have 20 years of medical device manufacturing, and along the way in that manufacturing plant, I like to give plant tours and uh, to get to know people, and that was how it started. I got a call one day from our public relations director and said, we'd like you to represent the com- company, about 1,200 employees, on the Chamber of Commerce. So I got involved with the Chamber of Commerce got involved with the board, uh, chairman of the board. Along the way, had an opportunity to uh, be on the Planning and Zoning Commission down in Angleton and uh, went from there to three terms on city council. So I had a lot of that public-private experience. Um, And then when the opportunity came to do something different after 9-11, it became uh, very clear that uh, I had to take my skill sets into that economic development world. Didn't really know a lot about economic development, but 15 years with the city, and then six years prior to that, working for the county in economic development, it's been a joy because it's about people, it's about putting communities together, it's about growing your businesses. Yep. So you mentioned Angleton. Have you lived there your whole life? or Born in Houston, raised in Baytown, went to high school there, and uh, came to Angleton to live. My dad was born and raised there, and I came to live there in 1978, and my wife and I still live there now. Nice. Very nice. So do you miss being with the plants? You said you were giving tours and those kind of things. Do you miss that kind of stuff? You know, it was replaced with being with people out in communities. And the good thing about the medical device manufacturing and working with machinery is that I understand the private sector of plants. Now, what we did was on a very small scale. But when you look at the chemical manufacturing plants, a lot of those machines, a lot of the processes are still the same. So when I started working on economic development projects for the primary industry market, it was very easy for me to make that switch over. So do I miss that part? Yes, in some respects from a private industry, but it was very easily replaced with economic development and growth. So what's it been like? We did just talk to Judge Sebesta a couple episodes ago. What was your experience kind of like on city council in Angleton? You know, I I cut my teeth in planning and zoning. So we saw projects come in before council would see them come across their uh, desk. I really enjoyed it. One of the things that I liked about being on council was being in touch with the public. So if there was a a council agenda, I would go look at it. By the way, I served with Judge Sebesta, then city council member (laughs) and my mayor, as we were uh, working together in Angleton. But being on council was it's sometimes challenging because people 
are upset sometimes. People sure. have passions, but you learn to listen. And I think that's one of the key things um, that you listen to them. You can't always give them the answer that they're looking for, but if they know you're sincere and they know you're listening, it goes a long way to helping them out. Yeah, that's got to be a tough thing and a skill set that um, a lot of people don't have, which is to be able to hear an upset person and see past their anger to what their actual issue is to be able to help. I and mean, we we see it on in other things with marketing and stuff that they're upset about one thing, but that's not that's not really what their problem is. Their problem is something else and, and digging into that. And I can see that having to be a key role for you and dealing with the residents. And, and many times it's that they're so frustrated because they haven't found someone to listen. But when you have that opportunity and you say, I want to hear what you have to say, and you try to look past whatever that frustration is and then repeat that back to them, then they start to understand and comprehend, wow, this person really does care about this particular situation. Right. Jamie, the president of the chamber here, and I were speaking this morning actually about that very thing that – he was at the YMCA and people would come in and make suggestions to him. And, and he talked about listening and when changes were made based on those suggestions, people felt they were listening to him. If changes were not made based on that, just because he was listening doesn't mean he agrees with it. So how do you get past that? You know, there's two, two examples I'll use back on the private sector. We had a program was called the suggestion program at the medical device manufacturing company. If you had an idea to make something better, easier, faster, cheaper, you submitted that idea. It went through a review committee, and if it was approved, there was usually a monetary value applied to that, which then came to you as the, the person who submitted the project. So it was an incentive to come up with ideas and concerns. You may be frustrated about something that's going on in the manufacturing, how you're doing it, but if you can come up with that solution, it might actually turn into dollars. Right. So that, that, was, that was one way to be able to do that, and, and it proved itself um, very well. That is something that we always talk about is don't come with just complaints, come with solutions as well, and it sounds like you have a solution for that. And the other example now on the public sector is when I came to work in Alvin, I went to my first pre-development meeting where the department heads, engineers, plans examiners met with prospects looking to invest in our community. And so I sat through several of those meetings, and I wondered – how were we doing compared to other cities? So I put together a study and went to the city of Bastrop for its rich history. I went to the city of San Marcos because it was a college town. And I went to the city of Round Rock because it was very progressive. And I sat down with a series of questions and met with their economic development team, sometimes two people, sometimes 12 people. And we went through that process and I shared that study back with each one of those cities when I came home. What I discovered was that we were doing very well, but there were some key areas that were going to help our community and our city staff get closer to what I call yes. All right. How can you do this? Instead of no, you can't do that, but how can you do that? And so they started to better understand, and we had a great team then. We still have a great team today. How do I get that customer, meaning that developer, that investor, to better understand this is how you can get to yes? Yeah. I think that's an important thing too. I, I've worked in other municipalities in North Texas and down here. And one of the things that people always run into is how do you help people? Because they don't necessarily know what they don't know. 
And I think the pre-development process that y'all have at the city is a very good one. And here's what you need to do. Here's the process. Here's what it's going to take. Because uh, not everyone has that. And you end up you end up not knowing. The, the bad analogy I always give is don't tell me to play baseball and then show up on a football field, right? Like we got to be playing the same game so that I know what I need to do so that you can do what you need to do so that I can have something happen. A, a great example is there are other agencies that developers will need to work with. Could be Texas Department of Transportation. Could be the utility companies. So while we'll explain to them, you submit your plans, it might be two to four weeks for our time turnaround. But let me tell you, you need to be six months out with Texas Department of Transportation. So we're giving them that advance notice. Go get with the utilities early. Sure. Go get with transportation early. And then when you get ready to submit with us, you're already in that process. Another way to get to yes. Yeah. Nice. All right. We're already getting into it, but let's take a quick break. And then I want to dive more into what you do as the economic development director and director of government relations. Hey, we want to take a quick moment and tell you a little bit about 1820 Marketing, the producers of this podcast. We believe that when businesses have quality marketing, it gives business owners the freedom to focus on what they do best. We design websites, produce videos, and create marketing materials that help our clients grow their business. Find out more at 1820marketing.com or email us at info at 1820marketing.com. And now back to the show. So Larry, one of the things that I'd love to hear your perspective on is what you consider economic development to be. I've heard a lot of places, people, companies throw out that term. How do you define it? You know, I'll I'll give you a definition and then I'll break it down a little bit further. Economic development is described as the creation of jobs, wealth, and the improvement of quality of life and place. So we're always looking to grow jobs. That means make sure you're paying attention to those companies that are in your community. At the same time, you're trying to attract new primary jobs and companies to your community. That creates the wealth. But one of the most important parts to me is the improvement of the quality of place. Now, there's also the quality of life. And I tell people like this, I can't guarantee you a great quality of life, but I can work really hard at providing you a great quality of place that gives you the opportunities. We do that in the Alvin Mammal area, specifically in Alvin, because we have great education. Workforce development is key. With the Center for Technology and Education, with uh, Alvin ISD, that's premier. With Alvin Community College, not only their, their regular academia, but now their specialized workforce training programs, that's a huge attraction and um, offering that we have for those looking to seek to invest here. But what about the quality of place? When I came here 15 year to, years ago, I saw and discovered two main things. One, the rich history, the rich history of Alvin, from the old oaks lining the streets right, yeah. and to everything else that made Alvin the way it is today. The second thing I learned is the people. I was bringing a project. We were closing in on an uh, inbound call center for the Alvin community when I came here. It was uh, promising about 600 jobs. We put them under an economic development agreement for 400. They end up pe- ended up peaking at 1,200 jobs. Wow. Along the way, to attract them, we had a response team from the chamber, from the school district, from the college, from the city, from the county, and from business that met with the consultants. We toured around the community so that they could see exactly what was going on. But it was the people that handed off. No one tried to grandstand. 
If the chamber talked about the chamber, it was perfect. When it came to education, they pitched it to the school district. When it came to higher education, they pitched it to the college. It was those types of things that allowed the consultant and the company to eventually make that decision to come to Alvin. So when, when you think about the community, that's part of that quality of place. We've worked real hard on our downtown redevelopment. We have grant programs, matching grant programs. We make sure that quality of place also includes water, roads, those types of things. So we're working very hard on that to make sure that we have those in place. But when you have the civic clubs and organizations along those lines that are very, very community-minded, I tell investors, potential investors, when they come to Alvin and look at Alvin, I said, if you give it just about an inch of effort, you're going to be so welcomed into the Alvin community that you will be amazed at the help that will come your way in the form of knowledge and of assistance to come to a community. And I think it's an important point, too, that economic development is a very holistic kind of program. Like you said, you could bring a huge major manufacturing company here, but if they don't have roads to get in and out on, they're not going to want to be here because they understand their systems. And so you're having to do a very hard balance of all of these different aspects. What, what has been something that kind of not shocked you, but that you didn't, didn't anticipate that you've had to kind of experience? Well, you know, one of the things that you look at in the, in the form of attraction is you want to be close to a major highway. Now, for Alvin, we have major highways. We have Highway 35, Bypass 35, and we have Highway 6. But to the large corporations, and they're going to start moving freight, they want Interstate 45. They want State Highway 288. They want the 610 loop. So what I discovered was there was a little bit of a stigma about Alvin's in the middle, but we're not connected to those major arteries. So our challenge was to make sure that those companies knew. And so not only did we partner with uh, our regional organizations, such as the Greater Houston Partnership, to get our word out there, Port Galveston, Port Houston, Port Freeport, because there are major freight corridors that are coming through there. So we had to overcome that, and we've done that very well as we continue to work on more transportation projects. Well, and we have the – I know you've been instrumental – on the new government relations side of doing the Grand Parkway and working with different organizations because something like the Grand Parkway is not just related to Alvin. It runs around the perimeter of one of the largest cities in in America and in the world. What's it like having to deal with other agencies who maybe are more interested in their own interests than... You know, one of the things that, that, that was key, and this happened while I was at the Alliance, the countywide organization, is that we would go to to the Transportation Commission. We would ask for things for the county. And one of the things one of the chairs at that time, not the current chair, said was that we want you to take a look at the Metroplex, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. They really think regionally when they address transportation issues because you just spoke to, I want my highway, you want your highway, and I want my highway. So what we did over the years is that we started working regionally. And to take the Grand Parkway as, a, as a, an example, when we went to the Transportation Commission two years ago because they were going to pull out the segments left on the Grand Parkway, we had the Greater Houston Partnership. We had the Transportation Advocacy Group for the whole Houston region. We had the Textot Houston Regional Area. We had Houston-Galveston Area Council, which is the Council of Governments for our Metropolitan Planning Organization. We had 1,100 letters and or resolutions 
that went to the Transportation Commission just for the segment B wow. that goes that goes through Alvin right. that connects State Highway two eighty eight to I forty five. That was a regional initiative, and that's what we're doing today. So uh, I was on a uh, a Zoom call this morning with one of the chair of the committees at the state legislature. Tag was doing that that interview, and that came up, and they asked me to make a comment. And he said, "Look, we're toll roads are an okay thing." He goes, "I'm all for them because." People have a choice. And the good thing that I reminded him is that our Grand Parkway system is not taking tax dollars. Right. When you drive the toll, those dollars that you pay for the tolls stay right in that tollway park system, and that's what's going to complete it. So that's how we get to that regional, and we continue to practice regional transportation issues. It may be my project this week, and next week at a conference or a Zoom call, it may be someone on the north side of Houston and Wallers that we need to support. Gotcha. So I think we've mentioned this before on, on the podcast, but some people have jobs where they go in, they take care of some work. At the end of the day, they're done and they can say, hey, I've completed this work. For you, in your descriptions right here, we're talking about months, even years for completion of a single project. So how do you, how do you continue to carry on with that? You know, I think it's uh, it, you bring up a great point, Doran, because I tell people some projects take a lot longer. There are some projects that I started when I came here 15 years ago that are still active. Right. So we continue to work on those. The main thing is, is that don't forget about them. Put it on a schedule if you need to. Ping it every once in a while. Uh, make sure that you're revisiting those types of things. If you don't get the yes today, ask for it next week, next year. Right. But it, economic development is really a 24-7 job. And um, I share with young economic developers that are getting into the profession. <laughs> I ask them a few questions. I said, number one, are you married and do you have a family? And if they say yes, and I said, then let me give you this cautionary tale. <laughs> right. You can spend your entire life in economic development, sure. 24-7 busy all the time. Never, ever f- forget and ne- neglect your family. Economic development is always going to be there, but make time for you because otherwise you'll burn out. There's a lot of great challenges, a lot of great positive things that can happen. But just I, re- I just kind of caution them to remain focused on what's really important is that your faith, your family, and everything else that comes after that. But economic development doesn't stop. Yeah, I'm sure that's uh, good information for somebody out there listening to hear. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't forget about your family and your loved ones. Yeah, well, regardless, it's a good right. lesson for people to have because I think anyone can kind of get wrapped up in their own world. But economic development... I'm trying to think of just in the past 15 years, some of the things that I've seen in Alvin and it's, it's really grown and really changed in that time to me. It, uh, it does seem like there's some palpable changes now, yeah, right? It, Whereas before maybe there wasn't, or at least you couldn't feel it. I'm, I'm really glad that you've been able to, to come in and be, in a, be a part of that. Cause it seems like we've really made some forward progress in, in Alvin to get it, get things done. And how do you, and only having so many hours in the day, how do you balance going after businesses. And, and what I mean by that is you could probably spend a lot of time and get a lot of fast food joints, which are going to bring in jobs, but not necessarily high paying jobs. Mm-hmm. But you could probably spend your time and bring in 10 or 15 of those, or you can spend a lot of time and maybe unsuccessfully bring in a major manufacturer. How do you, how do you balance those levels of, it's still time consuming. It's still economic development. It's still checking all the boxes of your job one is a lot of little work and one's one big work and sure you know it's uh 
if you stick true to the principles of economic development, we're supposed to go after those primary jobs, the higher paying jobs that will bring in all the other things that you want. One of the things that I realized when we first came in, when I first came into Alvin, there wasn't a lot of housing. Now, I came in in 2006, 2008. We know what happened with the residential building. It just kind of went to the tank. And so we had to recover from that. But to be able to do that, so uh, fast forward, if I'm working in part of the program of economic development, I, I must mention is the BRE, Business Retention Expansion. I talked about, you know, talking and talking to businesses and discussing with those that are already here. You need to periodically visit with them. I'll give you a prime example. Team Industrial Services. Mm-hmm. When I first came here, I went around the tour uh, of the city visiting with major companies. Team was my first company to sit down with the CEO. He had not had a real visit from an economic development person. I was the first professional economic development that they had in the city mm. and, and working for the city. And I said, I just want to make sure how are things going? How can we help you expand? You guys were born here. This is a great company. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, I'm glad you're here to visit. (laughs) However, we just purchased 45 acres on Beltway 8, and we're going to be moving our company in the near term. Wow. And so I sat across from the desk and Phil, and I said, Phil, I just want to ask you one question. May I compete for your business? And he said, Sure. So over the next two years, now you got to remember the economy kind of slowed down, so they paused. But over the next two or three years, I took a mayor, I took a county commissioner, I took business leaders, and we met with them on a regular basis. And I put together a presentation with an incentive program. If they would stay here and retain, we could retain a certain number of employees, then we would do an incentive agreement with them. Well, it sat dormant for another couple of years again. You just keep pinging. Sure. Long story short, it paid off. We, we went into a seven-year economic development agreement. We retained them in town. Uh, they actually grew probably 30, 40 employees over the last several years. Uh, you know where they're located here mm-hmm. over there on uh, 528. And they increased the value of their site by over $14 million. Hmm. Yeah. Not bad. That's business say. retention. That's where you go after the big boys, and you you make sure that they be. Now, along the way, if you can do that, then people are going to need more houses. Right. So you make sure that the builders and developers understand this is a pro-business community. You work through that, make sure that they understand that. Now they're starting to pick up, buy lots, buy land, build houses. Yeah. Now 2.3 people average per household starts coming in. Sure. And now you're strengthening the current retail and you're now starting to be able to attract a lot of what we do in economic development is data you guys know this because of your marketing aspects we need to let them know here's the educational level here's the household income here's the number of people that are traveling through the city here's the traffic counts on this particular roadway those types of things that allows a retailer to say i want to be in that market i'll tell you another quick story and it's about chick-fil-a all right. <laughs> when I first came here, somebody started talking about the rumor. Well, we hear Chick-fil-A is coming in. My answer was, keep it up. <laughs> keep up the yeah. rumors. Keep up the rumors. Absolutely. And uh, so eventually, when they did come in, one of the persons that was part of Chick-fil-A said, you know, for years we kept hearing everyone talk about a rumor that Chick-fil-A was coming to town, and here we are today. Fantastic. And a lot of times that's how it works. When, when a community wants to go after something and they're together and they can go after sure. it, 
then those corporate uh, site locators realize that. Uh, but we we try not to compete and bring in a retailer that's going to be in competition with someone's already here. We certainly are not going to offer incentives for that. Right. But as communities grow, there's more opportunities. Sure. Um, two things that I, I want to make sure and talk one about retail and one about residential. In retail, I love to see the entrepreneurs. 1820 is, is one of those entrepreneurs. There's several around here. I love to see people like the Gordon Street Tavern or other retailers over on the bypass and the shopping centers that are that are taking the time to invest personally, family members working inside there. Right. We'd like to pay attention to that as well as the big chains. The other thing about uh, residential that I wanted to make sure and mention, you know, I talk, we're building more than probably 275 new homes a year. One of the things that I pay particular close attention to is the remodels and addition of residential property. You can build out your city and have right. all these nice new neighborhoods, but if people are not reinvesting and fixing up and remodeling what's already here, then not, that's not a good mix. Right. And we are doing very well into the millions of dollars over the last 15 years of people redeveloping residential properties. That's an interesting point because it seems like sometimes in, in real estate there's this, uh, I got to get new, and that's... Forget about the old. Yeah, forget about the old. And so when people are investing in homes that they already have and they're able to do upgrades and stuff like that, it seems like that's a it's a key factor that if you didn't know, you wouldn't pay attention to. Right. And just as we do pre-development meetings for big businesses and new things that are coming in, we'll sit down with someone that's going to redevelop their residential property. Or maybe they have five acres they want to split off an acre or two mm-hmm. for a child or, or a niece or nephew, grandson, granddaughter. We'll sit down with them. We also will do walkthroughs. Our building code officials will go and walk through a particular piece of property. We're not going to design something for you, but we're <laughs> going to say, hey, look, these are some things that you need to think about and pay attention to if you're going to do that. So right. it's another one of the services that we offer. Works. Sure. Well, you know, you said you're talking about bringing big business in and getting those things so you can build up the community. What about for those people that are looking to start a small business? What would you say to those like the entrepreneur that you're talking about, the the small mom and pop shop? What is a piece of advice you would give to somebody like that that wanted to come into Alvin and set up shop? And, and I think Jake knows this because we've had this conversation before. One of the first things I ask someone if they're looking to start a new business do you have a business plan? If you don't, the Small Business Development Center through San Jacinto College, based out of Pearland, yeah. Chamber of Commerce, or the Small Business Development Center based out of Bradsport College to the south, it's all free. You can sit down with them. They do have a few paid courses. Wow. They will help you develop your business plan. I want you to protect your investment before you ever put the money on the table. Fantastic. From there, now, how are you going to sustain yourself? Do you have the right location? What about the demographics? A lot of that business planning will take you through those steps. But that's one of the first things for an entrepreneur. Uh, and then become connected. We talk yes. about that all the time. Oh, yeah. Become connected. Go to a coffee and connections. Go to a chamber of commerce. Go to an ambassador meeting. Go to a luncheon. Wh- whatever those things are, become part of a civic organization. You know, Touch base with, with a college or a school district. Become involved because when you do that, the interconnectivity, and Alvin is one of the premier communities that I've seen over my career. The interconnectivity will go, will, will just put you miles ahead of making an investment in a community. 
Yeah, I would agree with that statement for sure. And, it, and it's not so much a question so much as a compliment. I think it, it shows your character that your first question is, do you have a business plan? Because there are probably people who are dying for economic development in their town that hear someone and says, yeah, yeah, come on, bring those $100,000 to the thing. But knowing you personally and then knowing you had just said it, to me it says a lot that you want a business not just to come, but you want it to succeed. Like there's no point in coming and spending all this money if it's going to get wasted because you're not plan, planning for it and not protecting yourself. So thank you for all you do for the local business community. Yeah, we have, it, it's a great team. It is, it is a great team. Yeah, and the fact that so many small businesses, unfortunately, don't make it past the first three years, creating a business plan is a scary prospect. So I, I like that you've given some suggestions on where people can go to get help for that, for sure. And we'll try to add that to the show notes as well. You know, one of the things that, uh, that, that I don't talk a lot about, but in a previous life, before I got into the, the, the manufacturing business, I was in the retail side on the restaurant side. Really? So I didn't own restaurants, but I managed restaurants and I became a district supervisor of 11 stores or steakhouses in the Houston region. So I got to understand how that retail aspect and that environment was. Sure. It's tough. Yeah. If you think economic development, you guys know this, you can put in 60, 70 hours a week in a restaurant business or in a retail environment very easily. Right. So, but to understand that, that's the other thing that w when you have a business plan, you know that you can't be everything to everyone. Right. One, that's what's family for. You put them out there. I'm sure. <laughs> so they're free labor, right? Free labor. Right, right. But you, you work on those types of things. But that's where it's like when I brought Josh on as my development coordinator, I liked that Josh had the industrial experience with Air Liquide because he understood manufacturing and logistics operations. Plus, he grew up in Alvin. Mm -hmm. When nice. you can take a homegrown and he's got the education and he's got that industrial experience, it was very easy for him to become involved in a part of that economic development world. He's done really great. Yeah. You know, when you ultimately move on from where you are, what do you see as the next big thing for Alvin as far as economic developer comes in? Like, what do you think their main focus is? You know, I think uh, Jamie touched on it this morning from the chamber. He was a guest at the Alvin Sunrise Rotary uh, meeting. Technology. So think about the 5G network. Think about broadband. Are we fully connected where we need to be? So many platforms are out there that need that advanced technology. Right. Is Alvin there? Are we growing there? Are we working on that? That's going to be key. Transportation is going to be key as well. But I think one of the things that now, because over the last 15 years, there's been a lot of effort on community development. Now we have the impetus, we have the transportation, we have the education, we sure. have all those aspects. So now we can go after logistics and uh, warehousing, transportation. We have the BNSF Railroad coming through here at 40-some-odd trains a day. Right. You know, we all Which know I'm about Which I'm surprised those. we haven't heard at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> you just jinxed us. Not, any moment right. now. Uh, we have a developer that has over two miles of track beside his development that he has permission from BNSF to put in a double-end connector that can bring in warehouse logistics, rail supply. That's a great opportunity for the community. I think we have to continue to look at our chemical manufacturing to our southeast and the chocolate bio plants right. and see where the synergy is for that. Uh, I'm working on a solar project, solar power project, maybe 
190 acres worth. Um, another, and that kind of leads me to the rest of the Alvin, where Alvin proper is. And if we talk, when we were talking about the Grand Parkway, we're talking about how it goes out to State Highway 288. If you look at the Alvin city limits and its extraterritorial jurisdiction, which is that two-mile buffer on either side of our city limits, right. it goes all the way out there to State Highway 288 on 14, FM 1462. There's about 15,000 acres. So about 11,000 acres is what the Woodlands is. Wow. So there's about 15,000 acres that is in play right now with different developments. Some we put in development agreements back in 2006, 7, and 8. Right. Others that are coming in now. That's part of that new future that could be what our mayor says, the woodlands of the South. Right. So it's just an amazing opportunity. And we're working on that FM 1462, possibly a naming of a Alvin Parkway. We're kind of working around some things with that. But so have that connectivity because I talked about earlier about transportation, making sure that when you're coming down these major arteries, you know where Alvin is. So those may be some opportunities for us here. Fantastic. Well, I think it's important as as we're talking here to mention that there's. It's odd to me that people in Alvin, some people are on the bypass, and they don't know about downtown. Some people are in downtown, they don't know about the bypass. They don't know about FM fourteen sixty two and all the space and the development that's coming. Chick fil A. There's a lot of development happening, and I would encourage people to get out there and see all of Alvin, not just the area that they're in or that the area that they're used to. One of the things that that works out really well is that through some of our civic clubs and organizations, some of them have actual events downtown. Um, we've had the Alvin Art Walk a few years in a row. Oh, they right. brought people to downtown where we put up you know artisans and vendors. We have the Alvin Museum, Historical Museum. It's about ready to open up its brand new Nolan Ryan mm-hmm. exhibit. Yep. Right, part of that. We have the Carpalus Museum, old manuscripts from around the world are going to be, that are already starting to cycle through. There is. Doreen, you're right. There's a lot to discover. There is. Um, our new Convention and Visitors Bureau director, Athlyn Allen, has worked really hard because when she came here, she realized, and she's only been here a few months, she realized that I want to help just like I wanted to make the community love the community. She wanted to make sure the community knew what the community had to offer. She's yeah. been working very hard with that locally as well as that regional to attract people to come in. So yeah. those events like that, um, Frontier Day with Rotary Club, our music festival that brings in thousands of people every year, right. uh, of Bengals, I, I could go on and on and on about all the different clubs and organizations, but you're right. There's a lot to discover, and Alvin is a great jump-off spot to go to Houston, to the sure, theater district, sure. to Galveston, to go to the beaches, and we're a more reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things. There's uh, to the south, to the uh, the Lake Jackson, Brazosport area, there's Sea Center, Texas. Sure. There's west of the Brazos, the Old Oaks, and West Columbia, the historical area of, of Texas as well. There's a lot of things around, but there's a lot of things right here in our community. And there's a lot of people in Alvin that are very proud of Alvin, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that is true. And uh, so as we kind of wrap up, I just wanted to tell you how much I've appreciated working with you for 15 years now. 15 years ago, I came into town to make a movie with you, <laughs> yeah, or make a movie right. here in town, and you we did. You jumped at yes, which I really appreciated. That was kind of something that I've always appreciated was... You don't always get that. Yeah. Well, you thought it was a good idea, and you were all for it, and it wasn't that 
it was your idea. You just thought it was right. something that would be great for the community, and so you jumped on and, and helped. And, and, and I'll throw in, we, my wife and I are very appreciative of being able to sit down with you and discuss when she was getting ready to open Texas Snow Fruit. And the fact that a whole group of people from Alvin come in to talk so that whatever questions we have were answered at the same time, it's really kind of cool to, that that's a happy, that that happens, and I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thankful to have you. Well, you know, it's a, it, it's been an amazing 15 years. It's going to be an, an amazing next 15 years for the Alvin community. And uh, there's so many people pulling in the same direction. I'll, I'll close with this uh, comment about our mayor, council, and staff came together over the last couple of two, three months in a strategic planning session. So we brought in a consultant, a very well-known former city manager in the area, and he took the mayor and council aside and asked them a series of questions, what their expectations are, where they wanted to be, what's important to them. He came to staff. We met separately. We did the same thing. And then on a Saturday, we came together for over a half a day and had through group sessions. What did we discover? We're pretty close nice. on the same sheet of paper. Fantastic. We want quality development. We want a good-looking quality city. We want opportunities for everyone, and we want to have good policy. So it was, while it wasn't surprising 100%, it was very refreshing to know that our mayor, our council, and the department heads, along with their teams, were pulling the wagon the same direction. Nice. It's nice. That is nice. Yeah. So thank you very much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, Larry. Pleasure. Appreciate the invite. Thank you for tuning in. Creating Community is available on Google or Apple or Spotify and wherever you decide to get it. If you don't have one yet, we'd love to be your first. You can listen directly to us at 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast. This podcast is produced by 1820 Marketing. For show notes, visit 1820coffeehouse.com slash podcast. Finally, we'd like to thank the Chamber. And if you're interested in learning more about them, visit alvinanvilchamber.org.